Welcome to Stigma Shakers Podcast. I am your host, Ali Hensley, author, speaker, and stigma shaker of the best kind. This podcast is all about shaking and breaking up taboo into digestible chunks, which we like to call our social smoothie. In this podcast, I will ask the difficult questions that can be hard to digest because everyone deserves a little balance in their mental health diet. And let's face it, folks, the only thing normal in this world is different. So my question to you, can we make truth the next biggest trend? Nikki Parkinson is a separation strategist, family law expert, mother of three, and unmarried. Once upon a time, Nikki spent her nine to five working hours in the corporate world of family law, ticking boxes and filing court orders. Then her marriage ended and she found herself standing in the shoes of her clients, anxious, alone, and lost despite all of her experiences. She's lived through the difficulties of separation, both her own and her clients. Her goal now is to take the fear factor out of divorce and separation, reduce the shame, start important conversation around the practicalities of ending a relationship and take the mess out of messy. Welcome back listeners to another wonderful episode of Stigma Shakers and today I am joined by my beautiful friend and guest Nikki Parkinson from the Divorce and Separation Hub. Welcome Nikki, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me Ali, I'm excited for our conversation. I've been working with Nikki since early last year, um, creating content for the Divorce and Separation Hub, and it has been so eye-opening, not only understanding breakups, divorce and separation, but the amount of holistic care that is needed for somebody going through that painful and brutal time, and what you deliver is exceptional. So I think our listeners will learn an awful lot today, Nikki. Let's hope so, Ali. Let's Let's break down some barriers. Let's break down some stigmas about divorce and separation. So I find it quite fascinating, as we've talked about in our conversations and, of course, your work, that you were the expert of family law and divorce. On paper, you knew all the things. And then you went through, sadly, your own separation. So what was it like walking in the shoes of your clients during that painful time it was eye-opening to be honest I knew what I needed to do from a legal perspective but I didn't know how to handle the feelings that came with the the separation so the default position that people think about is when they do separate or they do ask for a divorce is the first phone call they make is to a lawyer and um, I found myself really struggling I handled things badly and I think that if my ex and I are truly honest we didn't do things well Um, it ended through an event and we it it got ugly it went south real quick there and there's also there seems to be you know that when when we have our hearts broken there is a panic 
and there seems to be this urgency. And as you say, the first phone call is to the lawyer. And why is it in that way that we rush straight to the legalese and we forget about all these other factors that are circling at the time? I think because society tells us that um, when something is broken, particularly a marriage or a, a, and we start to talk about divorce, the first thing we think about is the legal stuff. Whereas the first thing we should be thinking about is how do we look after ourselves and we're not necessarily thinking that way because we we don't reach out when we need to. We don't look at... And we are hurt, right? But it's, okay, how do I need to fix this? And the fixing comes in the unravelling of might, might be the financial relationship or sorting out the agreements for the kids. And what we're told is that lawyers do that. And they do do that, but... Is that what you need at those very, very early stages? And no, it's not. Unless, of course, there are, you know, there are circumstances where that does, you know, that that is um, certainly an option or certainly might be the, it must be the first point of call if we're talking domestic and family violence or is there other urgent matters involved. But generally speaking, we should be looking after ourselves first. We should be filling our own cup first. And it's almost like, you know, the air hostess where she says you've got to fit your own mask first because if you yes. don't, you're going to crumble. And I think also one of the big factors that occurs during, I suppose, any ending or a breakup, especially divorce, is that how people perceive that it's a failure and I feel that in that failing perception is where the shame comes in and where the stigma comes in. How do you see the ending of a marriage? Do you perceive it as failure? Do your clients? I don't perceive it as failure anymore. In the beginning, um, yeah, I could. I can honestly say that I did feel that I had failed. I felt I'd failed... Um, my family, my children, the expectations of what marriage was meant to be like, uh, the friendship groups, the life that was supposed to, that we were building, that was never going to happen because that was now the ending. So yeah, in the beginning, I did feel it was uh, a failure. And I think a lot of people come to that ending um, feeling like they have failed but I I truly believe that at the ending of a marriage that wasn't meant to last forever or isn't bringing happiness to both parties then you shouldn't stay in that and I think that if you do stay in that for whatever reason it is are you failing yourself there as opposed to ending it where you can become truly empowered to be who you want to be is not a failure. Is your marriage a failure? The whole marriage a failure? Is it the ending? Like, no, it's not. I always, you know, when we talk to our um, masses of friends who have all gone through their own breakups, we go through our own breakups. But I always sort of say and intimate that a person's right for happiness 
is not something that necessarily should be in correlation with guilt. And a lot of guilt, obviously, whether it's the person, typically maybe the person who's leaving the marriage, will feel that guilt. And maybe that, do you believe that is possibly where that shame stroke stigma comes into play, that I have abandoned or let down my post? Definitely. Because there's always, so if you're the person that is ending the relationship, there are feelings obviously from the other party and how they deal with that then has a ripple on effect or a flow on effect to how that may affect you in the beginning and that's when those feelings start to come up that I've caused this or I've done this and you might have said the words and you might have actually taken the steps to end the relationship or the marriage but single-handedly have you have you blown up your marriage or your relationship no because the thing is relationships take two in any event or any any form of relationships that you have whether it be uh, partners or friendships or work colleagues or relationships with whomever it might be it takes two people so it takes two people yeah. to have that relationship so it's not just one person that blows it up and the the phrase that just popped into my head then is we're staying because we're doing it for the kids but what is that teaching our children i i can understand families wanting to stay together for their children like i i get it but is that the right decision? And only they can answer that. But I will say generally that if people are staying in a relationship or a marriage for something or someone else, be it uh, security or their children, then particularly their kids, what is that modeling to our kids? What sort of relationships are they going to then have in the future? Because they think, oh, it's okay. Mum or dad did it. I can do it. I can do that. And they've watched people stay in miserable relationships for long periods of time. Mm. It sounds to me almost it's kind of keeping the generational trauma going. And I remember reading once about how trauma can actually last seven generations through the patterns that we see as our family history. So absolutely, I think teaching our children what the true version of love is whether that's for a person or yourself has got to be the bigger message than just you know rolling up your sleeves and trying hard for another 10 years and I think we talked about actually once how many times somebody will almost get to the point of of separation it's almost about seven times seven attempts to leave a before relationship before they leave yeah, yeah. And that probably just stems into, I think, the whole concept around the stigma of divorce. And something that you said, and I really, really encourage our listeners to go and take a look at this YouTube um, incredible talk that Nikki did for TEDx Byron Bay Women, which will be in the show notes. And you, you carved a notion that is we marry as a community, but we divorce alone. We do, though, don't we? It's... It's, and I think things are changing. So I'm going to preface with I, I truly mm. believe that there is a positive movement um, 
which is coming and it is changing. But we have this incredible notion that the uh, the joining of, of two people and we're coming together to marry and we're bringing friends and family and celebration to that. Why can't you feel that on the uh, at the ending as well if that's what you choose? Now, it might take you a little while to get to that, but I think we the divorcing alone is so prevalent because of the shame and the stigma that society places on a divorce or a separation and we're not meant to do it or we're not meant to have these conversations you you can do that but let's sit behind closed doors and and you know have the have the conversation let's not do it loud and proud in public because it's messy and people don't want to get involved in the messy Absolutely. And you you think about like the 150 wedding invites that go out and everyone's getting their most fanciest outfit together and we're clinking champagne and we're celebrating the beginning of something. But when the ending comes, and I find that it's very interesting what you say, people don't like to get into the messy, but they'll be there after the fact. They'll be there to sort of herald you the hero after the fact. But when the ending comes, it's almost like the people are just that, that wedding list goes down to maybe one or two people and yet endings can be a celebration as painful as they are they they can be something to be celebrated and almost looked forward to 100% I think they should be a rite of passage Ali because things end it's inevitable we can't um we can't stop it sometimes I mean we can see it coming but we can't press pause and we can't stop that from happening. And it is inevitable that sometimes marriage ends. Um, I'm a big believer in that humans aren't meant to mate and marry for life. I think there are many people that come into our lives over a period of time. And I, I know that people will disagree. Some people will disagree with me mm. there because marriage is such an institution. But it's, I, I don't believe that we are. So why aren't we celebrating these endings? And I know that it's very sad at the very beginning, but it can be a celebration. It can be. I mean, where are the divorce parties? Where are the divorce (laughs) registries? You brought up a really good point about, you know, that after the pain comes a celebration. And you did say something again in this wonderful talk. And we've said it before, and it's an incredible article, actually, about the friends who will then invite you back into the fold and those who won't. And those who do invite you into the fold, I want to say the word dessert to you. What is that cracker? (laughs) What is that belter of a line that I've heard you say? been taken off the dinner party list for for fear that you're going to steal a husband between main course and dessert have you felt that have you had that oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and let's just say that there is no chance of me stealing a husband between main course and dessert it or a husband at all full stop so um but you're not a threat get, <laughs> i'm not a th- but people feel that it's it's almost like you're going to catch the divorce disease right like it's things might be a little bit shaky in their relationships and they're like oh gosh they've done it they're doing okay 
she's thriving, he's having the time of his life. Mm, I don't think we'll invite them. Don't want to catch that. I wonder also if, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to shame or blame any of those who do stay in, in the marriage, but I wonder sometimes if one of the reasons that people will scuttle off to the sides is because there is a mirror in that person that's might suggesting, oh, they've done it. Have, you know, mm. like if there was a, it's, it's almost quite, a, it's quite confronting. It makes us think about our own values when it comes to what we will push through, which I do not like the word push at all, in the, in the sort of like the divorce dynamic. I think it's something, and because we don't talk about it, really, where that's where the shame and the stigma breeds, right? It does. It's funny you should say that. I had a, um, I had a very good friend of mine who kind of dropped off the face of the earth after I um, got, oh, after I was separated in the very early stages. And recently she's come back into my life. And we've, we are, we have been friends for a long time, but she said she was very apologetic. And she said to me, you know, I, I couldn't be there for you because I saw so much of what was going on in what was going to happen to me. And I just knew that, I the mirror was shining my way and I knew that it was coming and I couldn't be there because I didn't want to face reality that that was going to happen to me too and it does sometimes I think people do drop off and and for their own reasons and I don't think we can be judgmental about that Mm. and um there's a it's painful at the time because you want your friends to be around and you want to be held and you want to be feel like you've got your your people and your community but sometimes they're not there for a variety of reasons as you say everybody has their own individual circumstances and i think just even starting this conversation hopefully will encourage other people just even to have a health check in when it comes to their own Um, their own relationships in that way you said at the beginning of our chat about your own separation and things that you feel that you didn't do necessarily and I say in air quotes right what are some of the behaviors or acts if you like that people do in that first impulsive stage of a breakup that you would consider not so healthy and what could you replace that with a little bit more healthier ways yeah, I think that at the very beginning, um, particularly if there is an event or if you are blindsided, um, there's a lot of hurt there. And when people are in that very early stage of feeling that they are hurt or they feel fear of the unknown, they then behave from a place of trying to get to the next stage really really quickly and with that comes communication and communication is if you've listened to me talk you'll hear me say it so so often that it is the heart of many or all relationships it starts it starts there so I think Many people, when they are in that space of fear and unknown and hurt and they're terrified, their communication skills just fall off the the bandwidth, right? And they do that really badly 
because they're reacting instead of responding and they're they're coming from that place of fear and that place of hurt and anger and anger being a stage one emotion it can be um it then turns into that holy shit or that fearful moment Mm. so they're trying to get answers and they're trying to do things so they know how to they're reacting out of that fight flight freeze mode as opposed to hang on a minute let's just take a moment what is it that we need to to actually have conversations about and sometimes it's nothing it's just the banter or it's the argument that was there in the first place but it's just continuing after separation the first thing people really need to recognize is check yourself check why you're communicating check how you're communicating check tones language all of those types of things and you might feel those things but do you need to say those to your ex and the answer is no you don't whatever they are those things you can say those in a healthier way later right you don't have to say those and it might be for instance um they've pissed you off right so immediately you are bouncing back with a an aggressive message that meets them at their level so then automatically automatically you're in this to and fro of an argument that could have started from nothing and I think some of the the shame that people might carry post breakup and maybe even years down the line is I wish I handled that better and that's that's almost like the personal stigma that we're holding over ourselves it's like I wish I had done that differently that wasn't the that wasn't my finest hour and you always talk about and sorry if I've sort of dovetailed somewhere else, but you always talk about time. Mm. And I love that notion of just pausing and taking a breath. Giving yourself the gift of time, Ali, is Mm. what I often say to my clients because I think we tend to, like I said, I think we tend to rush and we rush through because we're told we need to get this sorted out. We need to get this fixed. We need to, you know, get divorced, have the legal sorted out. We need a parenting plan. We need all the things done. But actually, do you? Give yourself the gift of time to let this land and settle. Don't put that pressure on yourself unnecessarily because often things don't need to happen in that time frame. So the pause. There's nothing that well I won't say nothing but there are not a lot of things that need an immediate response so unless it is urgent or an emergency you don't need to give that urgent response so give yourself time to process articulate what you want to say write it out in um, a journal get those feelings out and then come back to okay what is it that needs to be responded to because not everything does and I think when you know during our working together and something that I'd love you actually to to sort of share with the listeners was the separation summit that you hosted last year with an amazing amazing lineup of guests which really took 
your clients and your community through all those really poignant steps alongside time. I think even maybe was it one factor of that was the legal and there was about nine other or, you know, talk about the different areas of that summit that people might not necessarily realize is even part of a divorce and separation that can really help people. Well, I think it's, uh, like I said before, you know, I think there are various different components of it and it's your self-care. What is it that you need to be able to do to help you and your family moving forward? Financials are a a really big factor in um, any separation because we all want to feel financially secure. So there's this fear that um, you're not going to be and you're going to... It's going to cost you a shit ton of money to get divorced. So let's break down that myth. Then there's, you know, looking up, it goes back to looking after yourself. So how are you doing that? Are you eating well? Are you exercising? Internally, what are you, you know, holding on to that you could get rid of? Let's bring some humor into it because, and joy, Mm. right? So let's bring the joy of, and it doesn't mean that you are, joyful because you are divorcing but where is the joy in you what how are we bringing that back into your life and how do we recalibrate who we are because along with divorcing and I I found interesting for myself as well I lost myself in the marriage and I Mm. for a long time like I I you know, we kind of, I was spat back out again and I'm like, okay, who, who am I? Who the fuck am I? And I felt quite, I felt a little bit of shame about that. I'm like, how did I lose myself along the way? And how do I find myself again? So our guest speakers were from health professionals um, to people that are helping you feel your best self, like Lizzie Williamson, for example, mm. Two Minute Moves. Amazing. You know, getting out, yeah. like getting up there and doing what you can for yourself, even if it's just for two minutes. And then we had from from that end, we had right the way through to the Deputy Justice of the Family and Federal Court of Australia, who had some really insightful things to say about rushing through. Um, and these legals like giving yourself the gift of time because you're so foggy at that time in your life it's everything is the outside and the internal noise is so prevalent that how can you then make decisions with a clear frame of mind and with clarity of thought for your future very difficult to do Your lineup was incredible and I really do encourage people to go and look at the Separation Summit because it's live on demand and it's incredible. And I was thinking then about, you know, how people do get lost in their relationships and they shrink and they morph. And I read something the other day that kind of feels very linked to the sort of shame spiralling that we can we can actually beat ourselves and berate ourselves up for. And that is to not shrink to the size of the love capacity that someone else has for you. And I think we don't always like how we react in the face of rejection, in the face of abandonment. 
We don't necessarily make the right phone calls at 11 o'clock at night after a bottle of Chardonnay to our ex. We don't always show our best selves when we're scrolling through Instagram wondering how they're moving on with their lives. And I think it's about giving permissions to really hurt. And as you say, like the physical pain is linked to um, emotional pain. It's, it's exactly the same in our bodies. Not only is society like laying on a bit of shame because it's a it's broken something you broke something Mm. but it's also that are we you know are we broken and no one wants to think that they're unlovable or not enough for somebody else okay so when you come out of that long-term medium-term relationship all those first year first and you always said the fridge is now yours (laughs) i think it's so and dating let's talk about dating that's always been a a oh gosh that's a that's a fun topic (laughs) date well the thing is you come out of these long relationships and you're like I don't know how to do this dating apps for instance I mean they're a shocker I think people should they should come with their own tnc's to be honest a hundred percent yeah they need a guidebook (laughs) I don't know why I think they do do courses there is I actually met a guy online a few years ago who actually wrote a book about how to maximize your tinder um positive experience or something like that and I just it it really it's shocking and I didn't do it very well I didn't know the rules at all but I think it's quite you know something that we've spoken about is single shaming as well tell us about that Nikki Oh, the single shaming alley. It's alive and well. Um, this is a, a, a little bit of advice for um, friends and family that you want to say but shouldn't say to somebody that is single. So I have um, been, I haven't repartnered since my um, marriage breakdown, and I've done that consciously. So for two reasons, I have said to myself, I'm not going to settle again. And the next person that I repartner with is going to be, um, I'm going to heal myself. I'm going to take my best version of me into that relationship. I don't want to make the same mistakes that I made. And I'm grateful for those mistakes because they were all learnings. So let's not call them mistakes. Let's call them learnings. Yeah. Um, And I've learned a lot about myself and the type of person that I am and what that I want to take into the next relationship. But after you've been single for a little while, everyone tries to come up with the reasons that you should repartner and you shouldn't be on your own and that aren't you lonely and all of those things. And I know where you're going with this because it was my ninth... (laughs) (laughs) it's my 93 year old nan who starts the single shaming and look nan bless you she'll never listen to this but bless nan it bless nan it comes from the right place but nan came to stay with me last year for three weeks and it was such a wonderful experience on many many levels i mean who gets to have their 93 year old nan come and stay with them for a long period of time and we shared a you know a glass of wine and watched home and away every evening but after that she'd start with the nicole as she calls me now why aren't you repartnered you need someone in your life and this goes on for 3 
weeks, every night. And it's like, Nan, I don't need someone in my life. I'm not going to just replace somebody because I'm on my own. I love my own company. I love the freedom that that brings me. I love the relationship that I now have with my children because I they get the best version of me. And I love the relationships that I've for, formed, you know, or reformed with my friends and family because I have the time to give to those people. And it is when you give that time to someone, it is 100%. And I don't need to replace the moments of being alone with the thought that I am lonely because those moments of being alone are quite sacred to me because I live a very busy life. But it's the old... It's the old um, scenario, I suppose, that you once you separate, you must repartner. And how could you possibly be happy on your own? And why don't you have a you know a new husband, wife, partner in your life? And you know, it's the whole setting up. I'll come and you know, my physio is also single. Maybe you should come up and have a chat with him next time he comes to the house. It's like thank you, but no. So, so true. Friends, God bless don't. You, um, Try God bless you, Nan. Right? God bless God bless Nikki's Nan. Wherever you are out there, please just lay off the single shaming just a little bit for Nicole. I worked in a job um which was uh like it was a nine to five, but it also had um elements of events, so like post nine to five work. And it was odd because naturally by default, not just was it only in my job description. But because they knew that I wasn't in a relationship, it was, oh, well, Ali's going to be doing the event because she doesn't have anyone on the side of her apartment door. And I felt, and it was it was kind of jesty, but I, I actually felt quite a lot of shame in that moment because it was almost, oh, you're right, I haven't got anybody in my life. And a really good friend said to me, actually, I think it's important to say and ask yourself the question, do I need them in my life? Or do I want them in my life? And I think that's such a big motivation. And I was quite, I was having the best decade of my life, actually. I was, you know, dating badly in Bondi, but I think Bondi is a bit of a shark fest, no pun intended, mm. of it's a very mm. interesting little bubble. But I had a lot of shame. And I actually said to my dad once, I was like, Dad, I'm so sorry that I haven't given you the opportunity to walk me down the aisle. Or I'm so sorry for my own reasons. Obviously, I am a loud and proud child free childless because of infertility but I was almost again I'm so sorry that I haven't given you the children or the experiences that you might want to see and it's that it's that status that society Mm. pins on us of what being a proper adult looks like and in fact it's not it's none of those I don't think anyway it's not it's none of those It, it I agree with you it's none of those and it's it's by choice, I think. You know, if, if for instance, you do want someone in your life, then go and find that person. But I will say, be careful for the reasons or be careful of the reasons why you are doing that. For me and my lovely Nan, um, you know, I, I may not repartner by the time she 
goes off into her next life. I mean, she's fit and healthy, but let's be honest, she's 93. So, um, I, you know, I'm apologizing to Nan all the time. Oh, you know, no, I haven't repartnered. And you feel the need to do that because that's mm. somebody else's projecting that, I think, onto you. So then you're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, is am I broken? Is are my expectations too high? Am I doing it for the right reasons? It, ta- yeah. it takes you in a lot of different directions, I think, Ali. I am a fond believer that I do not like the following statement. To get over someone, do not get under someone else. I really hate, like, people always say, get under someone to get over someone. I'm like, oh, do I have? No, it's painful. And not, like, physically painful. No. A breakup is, no, no, <laughs> let's not do that. Let's eradicate that one from the books as well. Or please go, you know, if you if you want to go and spread your fruit, then that's, of course, your yeah. your complete choice you, um you do you <laughs> so in talking about like some of the more let's talk about okay the more positive aspects I guess of the the divorce and separation process what would you say to someone listening who is on the precipice or in the thick glucky icky phases of decision making to impart some positivity and impart some hopefulness into that into their world I think it's important to really remember that um, these feelings don't stay forever so whilst it is messy and I'm not going to lie to you or sugarcoat it it is messy and it's shitty when you're in the trenches um, there's no escaping that you've got to you've got to move through that and you've you've got to really recognize what it is that you want I will say you will come out the other end of that and that's where it is liberating and exciting and allow yourself to feel those snippets of excitement from time to time it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom if you find you or you catch yourself thinking gosh, this new life could just be the best thing that has ever happened to me. Feel that, embrace that, take that with you, take that feeling with you. You'll know what it is when you feel it. Mm. And when you're in those deep, dark moments in the trenches, remind yourself of that feeling. Take that with you when you are feeling really rubbish. You will get through it. I promise you that you will get through it. We are so much stronger, I think, than we give ourselves credit for. And as I always say, when my mum used to leave at the airport um, and when she used to visit me in Australia, after the goodbye is comes the hello. After the heartbreak may come the falling in love. And how, how much fun is that? So that's a really lovely, I think, a really lovely place for us to sort of think about wrapping this up, but not before... I have some lovely little juicy questions for you. So, yes. (laughs) I was about to say, no, I'm not asking (laughs) you out on a date. I do not know where that came from. Um, (laughs) I would, though. Okay, so anyway, we digress. Now, this podcast is all about shaking and breaking up stigmas into digestible chunks for others to understand and absorb, which we like to call our social smoothie. With that metaphor in mind, Nikki, what goodness or societal ingredient would you put into your social smoothie? 
Ooh, that's a great question. That's a hard question, actually. Um, the ingredients that I would put into my smoothie. I would put in... I would put in your virtues, your values, and your destination. Yummy. Mm, that is good. Does your does your smoothie have a name? Oh gosh, let's pick my favorite dessert. It's got to be called tiramisu. Or we're <laughs> called, right. we're, we're streaming from Byron Bay. It's got to be a green smoothie, surely. It's got to be a green. I think we'll call it the tiramisu because you do not still husbands between main course and dessert because, frankly, you just want the tiramisu. Thank exactly. you very much. Thank you very and much. Good night. And because we're in Byron Bay, this smoothie will probably cost you three weeks' rent. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah, whatever you think it is, double it. Or triple it, actually. <laughs> you know, the Byron Bay Cost tax. of living. Yep. Cost of living. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it, Nikki. And one question I always love to ask people is that your topic today is obviously talking about divorce and separation. So if you were to see a headline on the news tonight, a breaking headline, what would that headline be? Are we talking positive divorce headline? Are we, are we breaking the, um, the internet? Oh, yeah, we're crashing the internet. We're, we're crashing the World Wide Web. Oh, we're crashing. Time. Okay, we're crashing. Mm. Okay, okay, great. Gosh, um, might need um, my trusty content um, helper here. <laughs> but... Ah, uh, <laughs> Ta- oh, I know what Let's it is. Let's brainstorm this, Ali. Taking the mess out of messy with Nicole Parkinson. Nikki Parkinson. That's Divorce it. and separation hub. Yeah, only All my then calls me Nicole. <laughs> Taking the mess out of messy. That's our headline. I think that's amazing. That's a really great headline. If you could just impart just one little piece of advice to our listeners, what would it be? I would say to you at the very beginning of your uh, divorce or separation or even pre-decision making, think about who you are and who you want to be through this process what are your values and virtues and how are you going to remain true to those throughout this process when it gets tough take those with you remember what they are even if it's a word or it's a feeling that you want to have and then from there use that in your decision making process and take that with you along the way that's beautiful, Nikki. Thank you so much. And how can people find you? You can find me at the Divorce and Separation Hub online, and I am on all socials at the Divorce Hub. Perfect. And that is a wrap. Oh, and the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, the podcast. Amazing podcast. <laughs> we'll put that in our show notes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nikki. Sending you my love all the way from the UK to Byron Bay. Oh, back at you, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today.